Good day, brothers and sisters, and here we are once again at the CMI School of Christ, and uh, we're going to go ahead and continue with our class, The Great Mercy of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we're going to continue in our same passage where we were uh, last week, just Genesis chapter 15, verse, looking at verses 1, well, the whole passage is like 1 through 6, but uh, we pretty much stayed on verses 1 and mainly verse 2. So we're just going to pick up with verse 2. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, my allergies are pretty bad right now. It's terrible allergy season for those who have allergies. <coughs> and uh, let me go ahead and just read. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, I am thy shield, thy exceedingly great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. <coughs> Excuse me. And he, uh, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto Abram, came unto him, saying, "This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir." <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, as I as I mentioned, where we were mainly in our last class was just looking at this uh, phrase. And forgive me, I've got to look at it here just to make. Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house, that word, uh, which is the one we're looking at, childless, that's it. Sorry, I've got like a Spanish interlinear printout in front of me, so I'm looking at the terms and they're not English. Uh, we were looking mainly at the term childless. Strong's number 6185. And uh, really just seeing how it, it is specifically masculine singular uh, for that term childless. Well, let me move this one up more. <clears throat> and that makes a huge, uh, a huge difference. Uh, for one, it it brings to light, uh, actually it was in Galatians that brought this passage to light, where Paul was using a typical, um, what do they call it, a uh, form of debate that the Pharisees used at the time, and just seeing how it is, looking at the singularity of the seed when he mentions, and to thy seed, <clears throat> that's that we saw in uh, Galatians. But even here with this childless, it's very specific. It's singular and masculine. And up until this time, Abram has continued in the purpose for which God called him. He has continued in the will of God. Uh, basically, he has continued in the appearing of the Lord. This is now 
Um, wow, I wonder what I did with my little graph. <clears throat> I must have gotten rid of it. This is now like the third time, I believe, that the Lord appears in the land. The first was in Sikkim. The second one was, uh, I think, between, well, oh gosh, without that little graph, I'm pretty lost. Um, I think it was like Mel when Melchizedek appears. And then now this time, the Lord appears to him in a vision. <clears throat> the third time. Now, I know there's several other times uh, where it says the, the Lord spoke to Abram and some commentators say that, that he did appear during that time. I'm just actually looking at where it actually says something in regard to vision or appeared. That's the times that I'm looking at. But it's like this is the third time. So Abram is continuing in purpose. He's continuing in the will of God. He's continuing, if you can hear it, he's continuing walking in faith. He's continuing walking in the appearing of the Lord. He is continuing walking in the purpose of the Lord for which he called him, for which the Lord called Abram. He's continuing walking in the will of God. <coughs> Excuse me. So, at, at, by this point, there is something more of the Lord governing Abram's heart than before. Definitely before when he was, there's, there's something more of the Lord governing definitely in Abram's heart when, than before when he was dwelling in Haran. That's, that's for sure. That's like a no-brainer. And now as he has continued, there is something more governing in Abram's heart. Uh, you'll probably notice this. I don't. I don't continue on with our um, with our whole passage with the whole entire journey, if you will, of Abram. I don't believe that Abram goes to Egypt anymore. Uh, he did that once. <clears throat> he could chalk it up as a learning experience and delivered by the divine sovereign grace of the Lord. Uh, but I don't think he goes to Egypt anymore. Each time the Lord appears. Something more of the Lord is now governing Abram. And that's the way it is with every single born-again believer. Because all that is happening is God the Father is magnifying in our sight, in our hearts, the one who is already present and filling his land. That's all God is doing. Uh, like with, I think we'd mentioned it with Joshua when, when Joshua and Israel were about to go into the land, the Lord tells Joshua, Joshua being the head of the body, a type of Christ, a beautiful type of Christ. He says, this day will I begin and begin, uh, implies to continue and not end, but begin from this moment onward, begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel. And it's like God saying, now you are great. The fact is, is that Israel, the body, does not know how great you are. And really, that's exactly the way it is with us who are born again. We have a great salvation. We have a great Christ. We have an awesome Christ who dwells in our soul. The land, the soul, the heart, just does not know how great he is how awesome he is. But the Lord brings us in our heart, brings our heart, actually, let me say it this way, the Lord brings our heart in understanding 
from our understanding to his understanding of his son so that his understanding, his mind may govern our heart, may govern our land. And then we begin to see the greatness of Christ. And that happens every appearing of the Lord. He appears greater and greater and it's unto us that he appears. He's, as, as I stated, he is great. He is awesome. We just don't know how great he is. We just don't know how awesome he is. And the Holy Spirit prepares the ground of our heart to be able to bear yet another appearing of the Lord, a greater appearing of the Lord, and so on and so forth. So with here, with Abram, by this point, he has continued in the purpose of the Lord. He has continued in the will of God because he has continued in the appearing of the Lord. So now there's more of the Lord governing Abram at this time than before. So even when looking at our last class, uh, the whole thing here, childless. I'll read it. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Excuse me. And to whatever degree Abram realizes because the Lord, uh, even before this point, the Lord had promised this. I give this land to, to you and to your seed after you. So the Lord is the one who introduced seed to Abram. Abram just didn't, even even when he mentions it right here, Abram, this is not from Abram's own initiative. Uh, What will you give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is Eliezer um, of Damascus. You've given me no seed. Lo, one born in my house is my heir. This didn't originate with, with Abram. This originated with the Lord. To thee and to thy seed will I give this land. So now Abram, here he is, time, time goes by, and he sees himself, and he sees no seed. All he sees is the steward of his house, which I think I covered in our last class during that time. Uh, during those times, uh, if the father had no heir, if the father of the house had no heir, then the inheritance went to the chief steward. <clears throat> And he became the heir of all the goods. So that's basically what uh, Abram's bringing up before, unto the Lord, before the Lord, because there's something governing his heart concerning a father, a seed, and an inheritance. A father, an heir, a son, and an inheritance. Basically saying, what good is an inheritance if there is no son to inherit it. it. Singular, childless, son, masculine, singular. Okay. And then uh, going on from that point. And Abram said, excuse me, still verse 2. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And uh, I want to look at the word uh, steward. And this, this word is actually like composed of uh, two different 
<coughs> excuse me, original terms. One is son, and the other one is possession. So basically, uh, and the son of possession, the because it's it's the inher- the, the inheritance. <coughs> Uh, son of this son of possession is Eliezer. <clears throat> well, what I did, I went ahead and looked at um, looked that term up, and um, we all know, of course, the term son. Uh, it's masculine specifically. Well, let me go back here. <clears throat> the Strong's number uh, 1122 for son and Strong's number 4943 uh, for uh, the term possession and they combine those two. And uh, the term son is a son, a builder of the family name in the widest sense, uh, the literal and figurative uh, relationship including grandson, subject, subject, nation, quality, or condition, etc. It goes on, <clears throat> but it, it is a son. It is masculine, singular, singular, which continues with what we saw in the last class. This other term, Strong's number 94, uh, 90, or excuse me, 4943, Meshek, it's from an unused root meaning to hold possession, to hold uh, semicolon, then possession, and it's translated steward. The one who holds possession and the son of possession, the the son who holds the possession of all the inheritance. So that's where that comes from. And this actual term right here, um, steward, combined of these two words, uh, one of them being meshek, is the only time it appears in the scripture. It's just one time, Strong's number 49, 43, it is the only time it appears in the scripture. You don't find it anywhere else. And <clears throat> I, um, I was looking at, excuse me, yes, it's a theo- I'll be reading a little bit from the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament. And, uh, I read several other different commentaries, commentators also on this for this one uh, word here, this one term, uh, Meshek, I believe, yeah, Meshek. And they all say the same thing. They say it's basically, it's a hard word to translate. They take, they, they basically use the context that it's found in with verse three because he, <clears throat> excuse me, he brings it in the term air and that's how they uh, kind of make it work together. But I want to go ahead and just read what the theological word book of the Old Testament says <clears throat> concerning uh, this, this term, <clears throat> steward. Ah. And see, before I read that, uh, the, the word book of the Old Testament, the theological word book of the Old Testament, I do want just just take a moment and look at this. Here's Abram, who is in type of God the Father right here. And there is an inheritance. The, the inheritance, the land, belongs to the Father and he gives it to his seed as inheritance. 
So here's Abram as a type of God the Father. And there is the land, and there is no seed. <clears throat> and so Abram brings this before the Lord. One born in mine house, um, what will you give me, seeing I go childless and the steward, the son of possession of my house, is Eliezer of Damascus. He's not even my son, but he's the eldest servant. <clears throat> and uh, Abram said, verse 3, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir, the heir of all that is mine. And here's the land that is all that is his, to thy seed, to thee and to thy seed forever. <clears throat> but I want us to look at this um, verse in Hebrews real quick because it got my attention and we may end up looking at, looking at it a little later on too with this whole passage. But just for right now, let's just look at uh, Hebrews chapter 6, <clears throat> or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 3. Sorry about that. Chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 6, that's it. Well, let me just go ahead and start reading from verse 1, um, and I'll, I'll read up to verse 6. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our, possession, of our profession, excuse me, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faith, faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, and as much as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that buildeth all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant. For a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of, to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast to the, to the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. But do you see just verse 5 and verse 6 of Hebrews 3? Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant. But Christ as a son over his own house. <clears throat> and that's really what what I believe is happening here with this situation with Abram, who's bringing this before the Lord, this concern of Abram. Because in Abram's mind, once again, a father, land, a seed to inherit the land. A father, a son, an heir, and a land that is his inheritance. <clears throat> so he brings this all before the Lord. Uh, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward, steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Uh, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. It's ba he's basically saying, at this moment, at this point in time, 
the servant will be the heir of my house. The servant of my house will be the heir of the inheritance, basically. <clears throat> do you see that? Do you see, what he, do you see what he's presenting before the Lord in his mind? As, as things are, as of right now, because of the laws and customs of the time, the chief servant of the house, if the, if the father of the house has no son, then the chief servant of the house becomes the heir. So now you have a situation wherein, where a servant will be the heir. Because Abram has no son, so that's why he presents it. What will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine, mine heir. <clears throat> All right? This cannot be, and Abram knows it. This cannot be, except he can't, uh, what do you call it? He can't reconcile it with what he sees in the natural. All right. This is a theological word book of the Old Testament for the word uh, steward, which is Strong's number 49, uh, 43. And once again, steward is son of possession. It's a acquisition possession. And then it goes on to say, both translations are conjectural. Basically, the conclusion is formed on a basis of incomplete information. It's made it real hard to translate this passage uh, because it's a single time it's used and um, basically what they're saying is there's not sufficient evidence to fully say this is it, this is it. You know? uh, it goes on. The word appears only in this difficult verse, Genesis 15.2. And the heir is Eliezer of Damascus, <clears throat> King James Version. The translation heir is based on the hypothesis that the phrase, the son of acquisition, that is heir, that, uh, that is heir, not that that is the heir, but just i.e. heir, together with the reference in verse 3 to the son of my house, all right, likely Eliezer as his heir. Another possibility is to connect uh, the, the word, the term meshek, with the verb shakak, which means to rush, and translate it, the attacker of my house. And this is uh, from Snyder's, something like that. And that's one <clears throat> possibility of translating that passage, translating that phrase, the attacker of my house. And I just wanted to look at that just for a moment by, you know, the way they did that. They combined the Meshech with the verb uh, shakak and ended up the translation being the attacker of my house. And 
can be seen in a couple of different ways. For one, as I mentioned, there's something of the Lord governing Abram, or more so governing Abram. The mind of the Lord is more so governing Abram at this point than before he even stepped into the land. And as I, as I stated, he realizes father, son, inheritance. Father, seed, heir, inheritance. <clears throat> He's put those, those together. And anything that is not the son, the true heir, would, in a sense, be, um, how would you say it? That which stands in the way of the son and his inheritance. And I, I, I can't remember if it was our last class or a previous class where I shared this, or if I shared this in, in these classes at all. But do you remember when uh, Jesus was speaking a parable? And he says, you know, uh, a husbandman, he plants a vineyard and then he, he leases, it, leases it out to um, workmen or something like that. And then I know I'm paraphrasing a bunch of words. And then he goes away and then he sends uh, his servants to these whom he leased out the vineyard. And they stone one, they kill another, and they do all this. And then finally, I think it's in the Gospel of Mark, he says, finally, he says, I will send my only son, and they will reverence him. And so when those workers of the vineyard saw him, they said, this is the heir. Let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. <clears throat> and that's exactly what unfolds in our own heart. Because as stated earlier with Abram, there is father, there is son, and there is inheritance. And as I mentioned uh, in our previous class, just the struggle that probably could have been running through uh, Saul of Tarsus, his heart and his mind, seeing that in all of his upbringing, being a Jew, a devout Jew, and a Pharisee at that, and a Hebrew of the Hebrews, uh, he could very well say the inheritance belongs to the seed, the seed that is Israel. And yet, later on, after he's born again, and after Christ is revealed in, in him, he's declaring the seed being Christ. Well, okay. Before then, back again when he saw the Tarsus, there's something going on in his heart. Because he sees himself as part of the heir, part of the nation that is the heir. So here you have like born again believers uh, who are just being born again, popping up here and there, declaring that Christ, the risen Lord, is the one, the son of God. And so now you've got a conflict. You've got a con conflict from what has been passed along throughout the centuries and, um, and, and years and even now passed along in a religious form being coming up against that which is now being seen to be reality. 
And the believers of his time were declaring that reality. Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Son of God, the Son of the living God. So that conflict's like running uh, <clears throat> in Solitarsis. And so, and in many of the Jews. And so here you have the attacker of my house. Basically, one who is not the Son. One who is not the true heir. And I say, I, I say that just to say this. With every single born-again believer, we begin just the same in our hearts. As being, and I'll, I'll use it this way. Every term we see, uh, every passage of Scripture, we immediately take it as it being ours. Mine. This is for me. This is mine. And yes, I know there's, there's several verses in there. And I think I, I did it this way in one of the classes. <clears throat> um, when the Lord speaks something into our heart, whether through reading it or hearing it, and He just pierces our heart, and we know, okay, the Lord's speaking to me. Basically, it starts out like this. You know, it's, 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 He says something, but our understanding of that is like this in terms of man's knowledge. Well, as the Lord continues to speak, uh, He makes His mind more known. So then it's no longer man's knowledge governing the definition, governing the term, governing what God is saying. But as He continues, and as we continue hearing, then more and more it gets very specific until finally we see that what God was speaking and declaring to us the whole entire time wasn't necessarily us, but his son. His son. And we are just not able to bear the weight of such an appearing. So the Lord continues preparing the ground of our heart until we are. But ultimately, all things that he declares, he gathers and sums up as being the person of his son. So then you can, you can hear the same with, with, okay, now later on, Paul, the Apostle Paul, you can hear him declaring this, it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is not I, but Christ who lives in me. At that moment, Paul does not take credit uh, for anything. You know, there's a, another passage where he says, you know, I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles. Oh, and yet uh, not I, but the grace of God in me. Do you see that? Just even, even, even with, 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 the, with that example right there of laboring, of serving the Lord. Well, I served the Lord more than all the other apostles. I labored uh, more abundantly than all the apostles. And yet as he continues and had continued in the purpose and in the will of God, the Lord made it real singular. No, yet not I. No, no, no. Uh, let me rephrase. Let me, let me hold on. Stop that. It's like saying, stop that. Stop everything. No, it wasn't me. It was the grace of God in me. It was his very son. And even as the Lord declared to Moses to declare to Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh, Israel is my son. Singular. Let my son go that he may serve me. And there is only one son. 
that serves God. There is only one son that serves his father, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, there you go. Oh, what do you mean? It rises up within all of us. What do you mean I can't serve the Lord? The attacker of my house. You're not the son. You're not the seed. <clears throat> the same thing happened with the Apostle Paul. Or excuse me, Saul, before he was the Apostle Paul. But see, the same thing happens in all of our hearts. Because, I mean, Joshua declares it plainly. He says this, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And then all Israel says, uh, or Joshua says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now there, Joshua is a type of the only begotten son. He's a, he's, a excuse me, he's a type of the head of the body. He's a type of Christ, a beautiful type of Christ. So he says, as for me and my house, hey, we serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. That's what the son does. He serves his father. Now you have all Israel saying, oh, well, we'll serve the Lord too. And then Joshua says, no, you cannot serve the Lord. And see, when we are trying to serve the Lord, we are at odds with the ministry of God. And we become the attacker of the house of God. Because we cannot serve the Lord. One son serves the Lord. Okay, now before you all get all upset with me and everything, as Abram continued in the purpose for which he was called in the first place, as Abram continued in the will of God, as Abram continued in the appearing of the Lord, more of the mind of God is governing Abram. And it will be the exact same thing with all of us. Now see, back to the Apostle Paul. I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles, and yet not I, but the grace of God in me. And that comes from this very thing. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal his son in me. And now, the results of that, I preach him. The confession out from that revealing of the Son, it is not I, but Christ in me. And it continues growing and growing and growing in greater measure as the heart continues turning and turning and turning and beholding the one who is present in the soul from the moment of new birth. And so, and with all things that the Apostle Paul is reading, righteousness, no, it is not my righteousness, but Christ, the righteousness of God in me. Love, it is not my love, but it is the love of God, Christ, who is the love of God in me. It is not my glory, or God making me glorious, or giving me glory, no, but it is the glory of God, whom Christ is in me. Do you see? And that continues to grow in every appearing of the Lord. The, the governing factor of the Lord continues to grow the increase of the increase of his kingdom. There shall be no end, but it only happens as he continues in the appearing of the Lord. And see, the, governing, the, the government is automatic when we see the one who's present. Because until we see the one who's present, then once again we are taking unto ourselves and we are in effect being the attacker of the house. Because we are making ourselves to be the heir, the son, when we are not. 
I want to read uh, Acts chapter 26. And yes, we will eventually get to verse 16. But uh, just starting with chapter 1, excuse me, starting with verse 1 of Acts chapter 26. And I say these things, you know, not to upset us, not to condemn us. It's just, I say that, I say these things because all that is there governing the heart until the Lord appears. And we will, by, by default, I, I have to say default, I, can't say, I cannot say by nature, because once you're born again, you're just ignorant of the nature that is present. And the reason we're ignorant of the nature that is present is because we are ignorant of the one, the life, the Son who is present. That's it. We're just ignorant. So by default, we always take unto ourselves until we see that all that we take unto ourselves really pertains unto one, the Son of God. All right, this is Acts chapter 26, verses, starting with verse, <clears throat> verse 1. Uh, then Agrippa said to Paul, this is uh, when he's in prison, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions where, which are among the Jews. So he's speaking to King Agrippa, King Agrippa who knows uh, of the customs of what's going on. He knows what the Jews believe and he knows why the Jews believe what they believe. So he's, he's not like uh, a Gentile that doesn't know anything in that sense. He knows uh, <clears throat> the workings, the ins and outs. Okay. Um, Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. Hey, all the Jews know about me. This is Paul saying. They know about me, uh, which knew me from the beginning if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And see, within their religion, they had Jews that were just born Jews. And then you had the very zealous, devout Jews uh, that strove to know the Scriptures, the Pharisees, that excelled beyond your regular Jew, which were the Pharisees. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come to this promise. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself. 
And see, that's the reasoning. Remember when I said that when the Lord speaks something to our heart, whether we're reading it in a, in a passage of Scripture or uh, we hear it, someone maybe says it uh, in, in just conversation or something, but the Lord speaks to our heart something. And it's something we need to hear. But see, once again, when He speaks it, we have our understanding like this of what God has said. You know, it's like... Like, like our understanding governs of whatever the Lord just declared. Okay, uh, air. Just the term air. Okay, there's, here's all my understanding. You understand the natural understanding that I know about the term air. Okay, I can look it up. I can search it up in a strong concordance. I can look at it in lexicons and Bible dictionaries. I can study all about it with commentators. This is all I know about the term air. You know, but it's still man's knowing, and it's like this. Well, Lord speaks, continues speaking to our heart as long as our heart continues um, being prepared of the Holy Spirit to hear. And the Lord keeps on speaking the same, and then our understanding begins to be less and less, in a sense, that our understanding that governs as we continue. And it gets more and more refined and defined until finally we see what the Lord was initially speaking to our heart was Christ himself, the Son, very singular. And that's the way it always is. Before we think, just like Paul right here declaring the time when he was Saul of Tarsus, I thought, I thought... Um, I verily thought within myself. I thought. I'm serving the Lord. I thought that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Contrary. Once again, the attacker of my house. Why? Because... I thought it was my mind. It was my understanding what governed me at the time. Verse 10, which thing I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. He's wasting the church. He is literally fulfilling this Passes right here, the attacker of my house. And I, I do want to mention something because this is what Abram was speaking concerning Eliezer. And we haven't gotten to the point yet, but at some point, after, you know, looking on ahead, when Abram has Isaac as his son, he sends Eliezer to go fetch his son or to go bring a wife to his son. Eliezer. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a physical attacking. It doesn't have to be something that is seen outwardly as vicious. No, just the very presence of, of that understanding being present. And here's the understanding. I'll just give you the understanding. The understanding is I and someday it'll be Jesus. It's me doing this 
and God help me so it can be like Jesus. I'm serving the Lord and God help me to serve Him like Jesus. Do you see what I mean? Versus the understanding that governed Paul, not I, but Christ in me. Not me serving, not me laboring, but Christ, the grace of God in me. Do you see the difference? One is taking unto ourselves as though we are the one who possess. The other is seeing the true heir, the true seed, the true son. And that only happens when God the Father in His great tender mercy and ever-abounding grace, reveals that one in the soul and in the heart that has turned to see Him. Okay. Back to Acts chapter 26. Which thing I I did in Jerusalem and uh, many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Verse 11, and I punished them often and oft in every, every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. I love that. I love that. Because this is where Christ becomes a stumbling block. Listen, this is where Christ becomes a stumbling block unto all those whose hearts are not turned to behold Him as the all of God, to behold Him as the everything of God, to behold Him as the substance of all things of God, to behold Him as the one Son, to behold Him as the one single heir. Whether it comes out or not, you know, we want to, I want to. <clears throat> And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Verse 12. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, a light that is greater than the natural light, a light that is greater than the most than the greatest natural light there is, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I love that. It's, it's just like when, when the Apostle John turned to see the voice that spake with him. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying, in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I'm persecuting you? Why, yes. Verse 16. And this is where it all changes. See, verse 16 with the Apostle Paul is the... I'll I'll put it this way in my, my my own terms, is the hidden source. 
It is out from which Paul, the, the Apostle Paul, does everything that is done, writes everything that he writes, declares everything that he declares. It is the source of his thought and action. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. And finishing it with the Syriac Peshito translation of James, from James Murdoch's. Uh, to make thee a minister and a witness of this, thy seeing me, and of thy seeing me hereafter. Continuing in purpose, continuing in the will of God, continuing in the purpose for which God called the soul from the beginning. This thy seeing me, and thy seeing me hereafter. And I call that the hidden source. See, we... <clears throat> We read the epistles of Paul and we say, oh, this great man of God. And what we, all we are doing is we are showing ourselves to be this right here, the attacker of the house of the Lord. Because Paul himself declared it, it is not I, but Christ in me. No, I didn't labor. Can you hear that? Uh, no. Oh, Paul, just all the amount, the volume of epistles you wrote. No, no, no. I did not labor. No, it is not I. But Christ, the grace of God in me. The hidden source that no man can see, that no man can understand but that man sees clearly when, when and as he continues in the purpose for which God created the soul, the appearing of Christ. See, we, we think that Paul was just some super apostle because he wrote things. No, he wasn't. No. No. The source out from which Paul wrote was Christ. How can, how can, once again, how can you take, how can I take credit for something I didn't do? It's impossible. You cannot. Unless you're being deceitful and saying, oh yes, I did do that. But why would you do that? Because you're making yourself the one to receive the glory, the credit, the inheritance. We do this continually, even not knowing. And please, please understand, I say, I say these things not to condemn, or to condemn or even to upset us. You know? I mean, we, surely we get upset. I get upset, you know? When I'm first presented with something of the Lord and He shows me that it's not about me, whatever He's presenting, that upsets me. <laughs> I'm upset in my ignorance. Because in my ignorance, I know not who the true heir is, who the true recipient is, who the true son is, because I am ignorant of the one who is present in the soul. And you'll hear even Paul say it later. I did these things out of ignorance. Yeah. 
We think the way we think. Oh, those of us who are born again, we think the way we think, we act the way we act, and we calculate. We reason the way we reason because of ignorance of the one who's present. So once again, I do not say these things to upset us or to condemn us because even here, see, the the purpose for which God created the soul, which is the appearing of Christ, becomes unto us everything. It's the very answer of our soul in whatever time of need. It's the very answer to our heart at whatever time of need. Because God doesn't change his mind. Remember once again from from Acts chapter 7, from the very beginning, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abram, when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran and said, get thee out from thy country, from thy kindred, unto a land I will show thee. And once again, the land that he shows is the land that is full of his glory. The land that is full of himself, the Lord. Full of the Lord himself. And see, nothing changes with the Lord. Oh, now Abram's in Haran. Uh-oh, I'm stuck in Haran. I've not continued The Lord steps in. Get thee out of thy country, out from thy kindred, and now out from thy father's house, because where you're abiding is not where I want you abiding. But see, the Lord doesn't change. Unto a land I will show thee. He doesn't change. Purpose doesn't change. And the purpose of the Lord becomes everything unto us. So as I stated with Paul here, Saul of Tarsus, Paul, you know, even with that situation, as we continue in ignorance, to try to take and pull into ourselves because our understanding governs more than the understanding of the Lord. But as we continue, the understanding of the Lord begins to govern more. At least we get a concept of what he's saying until he reveals his understanding in the person of his Son. And then we declare, it's not I, the Son of his inheritance, but Christ the true son of his inheritance. It's not the land to be my inheritance. No, but the land which is my soul that is to be his inheritance. But until that moment, until that moment, we will, as servants in the house, take to our own. And yet we are not the son of the house. But as I stated, there is hope. And that hope is still the same expectation. The same purpose for which we are called. Because see, all that Paul accounted to King Agrippa of his wasting the church, of his destroying, of his being the attacker of the house of God, all of that ended when the Lord appeared. But rise and stand upon thy feet. All this Paul, all, or all this Saul that you've done, all this Saul, all that's governed you. But now that I have appeared, Christ has appeared, but now. Do you see? It's, all, it's almost like the same thing that we looked at, uh, I think it was the last class and previous classes, 
with with Abram in this very chapter, 15, verse 1. After these things. Something has now changed. Completely. But what caused the change? What brought the change? The Lord appeared. And the Lord Himself is the change. Before it was I, and now it is no longer I, but Christ. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness of this, thy seeing me and of thy seeing me hereafter. See, when the Lord appears, our great understanding of ourselves, of what we believe to be our life, of what we believe to be our serving the Lord, our knowing the Lord, our, 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 my, my, my knowledge, man's, once again, man's, man in his greatest uh, academic achievements, or man in his most miserable state. It's still man. When the Lord appears in our heart, that is put away. Because in reality, that is not present when the Lord is present. But what governs the heart until the Lord appears is ignorance. And that's why I say it. What we do, we do in ignorance. Yes, I think, look, think about it. A child. Mine, 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 mine. It's all me, me, me. I've, I've said this, stated this before, and I know I'm running out of time. When, when, I, when my wife and I, we went to go visit my family in Texas, my nephew comes to the door. What did you bring me? That's what governs until the sun appears and then the mind of Christ governs. Then the son of the house governs the heart and land. It's not mine. It's his. It's not my inheritance. It's his now because the Lord spoke to Abram, to Abram, unto thee do I give this land and unto thy seed. Yes, we are heirs. Heirs, yes. The, the scripture declare it. See? Aha, I bet you were thinking about that before then. The scriptures declare it. We are heirs. But what is our inheritance? Our inheritance unto this, a land that I will show thee. Our inheritance is beholding him who fills the land. Our inheritance is the appearing of the Lord, which is our inheritance, which is the salvation of the soul, the salvation of the land, which is the life of the land, the healing of the land, the righteousness of the land, the peace of the land, and on and on and on and on. This is our inheritance forever. Beholding the one who is present. So, I know I've run out of time, but uh, you can read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26, actually the whole chapter, but I'll, I'll just... Uh, just read the last part of it because I know I've run out of time here. But just, you know, read the whole chapter, chapter 
1 of 1 Corinthians. And I'll just pick up with, excuse me, verse 20, whoops, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men in the flesh, after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God hath chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Well, what do you mean the things that are not? Paul, remember Paul? Not I, but Christ. Not my righteousness, but Christ, the righteousness of God in me. Not my love, but Christ, the love of God in me. Verse uh, 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Impossible. But of him, not of you, not of me, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, Christ himself is made unto us, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I labored more abundantly. No, 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 hold on, scratch that. Back up. No, no. Let me clarify that. Not I. Not I. But Christ, the grace of God in me. The only Son who serves the only Father. Very specific. Very specific. So, may the Holy Spirit continue just preparing the ground of our heart, the ground of our soul, to bear a greater appearing of the Lord, that we would continue in faith, walking in faith, that we would continue walking in purpose, that we would continue walking in the will of God. Once again, it is the appearing of Christ in the land. So, I'll let you go for this class. The Lord bless, and we'll see you in our next class. Amen.